What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 63. Yeah, 63, man. Uh, what a great number, though. Am I right? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite number, 63? My favorite number, 63. Glad you asked. I'm going with the <laughs> Hall of Fame guard, Gene Upshaw. Seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, Hall of Famer, obviously. Uh, Spent his whole career with the Raiders. Obviously, I never saw him play because he started in the 60s and ended in the early 80s. But one of the greatest players in Raiders history. Who's your favorite number six? That's a nice one. I'm going to go with Ryan Madsen, MLB reliever, Hmm. uh, most known for his Phillies days. And that's where Hmm. he wore the number 63 uh, for that World Series team. So yeah. good for Ryan Madsen. Yeah. By the way, no Brett again this week. Uh, yeah. He is in the wonderful islands of Hawaii right now. Uh, good for Brett, man. Yeah. So shout out to Brett out there. I think he should be back next week, though. So yeah. that'll be good. And so it's just me and Skylar today. With that being said, let's get to our opener, just like we do every week. And my opener is... Something I've been waiting to talk about for a long, long time. And the college football community finally did it after Oregon's big loss to, to Utah. They moved Cincy to number four, uh, put them in that playoff spot. with That's how the rankings work. And they finally did it, man. It's been when are they going to put Cincy in the spot for the last year for me? And uh, I'm happy that they did it. I mean, they're the highest non-Power 5 school to ever be in uh the rankings Mm -hmm. and i mean they got a great quarterback they got a great defense they got a great team and i'm really hoping that they do not choke this and actually get to play in this i mean i'll get more into uh into their game last week but it seems like they're finally starting to put it all together which is good it's not like uh when south florida was ranked number two for a week and then lost out i think Mm -hmm. that was like 2007 or something but anyways um this weekend, I worked a lot, so I didn't get to see much. Things I did see, I didn't like very much. Uh, I'm going to go with Elijah Moore, and we'll get turn it, that man. into the Jet Report eventually. Uh, the rookie receiver out of Ole Miss for my Jets, eight catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, it's great to see because, obviously, the Jets aren't going anywhere anywhere this year, um, you know, with the third and fourth string quarterbacks playing the past couple of weeks. It's uh, never ideal. But to have one of the young stars, you know, this has been the point of the past three years of this rebuild is to find some guys who are not just going to pop up, you know, with a good game or two. Uh, mm-hmm. Elijah Moore is looking like a superstar. And it's great because uh, even in the, this past year when we drafted uh, Denzel Mims, I love him, but he, he's, he's not it. You know, he finally got some playing time. He dropped a bunch of passes. If we didn't trade down, we could have had Michael Pittman or Van Jefferson. So it, it, it hurts a little bit. Uh, but Elijah Moore's looking good. And I guess we'll transition to the jet report. Ugly game, uh, 24 to 17 loss. I mean, at least it was close. You know, we had some interesting moments. Joe Flacco got the start, you know, the vet against a good defense. Um, Michael Carter got hurt ankle sprain. Um, Brandon Eccles is out for the year and we just have a bunch of no name corners out there trying to guard and it's not good. Uh, also, Big thing to wrap it up here, Mike White, Joe Flacco, they get COVID or con- close contact COVID. They're out for this game. 
Uh, turns out Zach Wilson is ready to play against the Texans. So that one should be our first exciting game of the year, at least heading into the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm happy for that. Yeah, you got Zach Wilson in a game that he's actually going to be able to perform well. And then uh, the team, regardless of how bad you guys have been, can stack up pretty well against mm. with uh, the Texans. A lot of similarities. Yeah. On to the Raider report before we get to the Mac Sports Player of the Week. And I've never said this in my, my time as being a Raider fan, but we have a good defense and we have a bad offense. And even though the score, you might if you didn't watch the game and you see 32-13 to 13 against the Bengals, uh, you would have thought, hey, I mean, the defense is just as bad as offense. But the defense was out there 36 minutes of the game compared to 22 minutes that the, that the offense was. And, I mean, the offense just couldn't get anything going. We started the game off uh, with a strip sack from Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, Don Levitt picked up the ball. Uh, if he just ran straight, he would have had a touchdown. But I guess Deshaun Jackson taught him a thing from last week. And he cut back into the field, got tackled inside the 10. And you think uh, you start the ball, start with the ball inside the 10-yard line. Uh, go get seven points, maybe take a shot at the end zone first play. Raiders don't do anything with that. They don't even take a shot in the end zone, uh, end up getting a field goal. And then from there, that kind of set the tone with the offense where they just weren't going to do much and weren't going to take shots downfield. Car played like trash. Uh, Waller actually got over 100 yards for the first time in a while. We're actually targeting him, target, targeting him again, which is good. Um, Jacobs, I mean, he did well in his limited carries. Same thing with Kenyon Drake. Uh, we shut down Joe Burrow. I mean, he was 20 for 29, but he only had 148 yards. Uh, and then the floodgates kind of opened up late in the game with, with the running game after the offense can do anything. And so Joe Mixon ended up having 123 yards on us. Uh, but besides that, I was content with the defense, but the offense is, is supremely struggling right now. And uh, we're going to talk about that Derek Carr situation later on in the show. But with that right. being said, let's go to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And yeah. I completely forgot to put a poll up. I was busy. I got home from work on Monday and then completely fell asleep and then didn't wake up again until about halftime of the, the Monday night game. So we weren't able to put up a poll for that. But I don't feel like we needed a poll this week, Skyler, because we had we got to watch Jonathan Taylor do what he did against the number one ranked defense in the league where he had 32 carries, 185 yards, four touchdowns and then on the receiving side he had three catches 19 yards and a touchdown as well totaling five touchdowns so we're just going to give it to him this week i don't even think we needed to vote uh jonathan taylor i mean what a week man and we're going to talk about him more in our mvp rankings obviously and we do have a bit of stuff to talk about with the colts as well with how they've been playing recently so we'll talk more about him later on in the show yes uh well deserved man yeah with that being said, though, let's get to where's your head at. And we're starting off a little bit of QB talk, uh, especially just in the first half. We have three different mm-hmm. headlines. Let's talk about three different QBs. First one being is Justin Herbert. I saw a TikTok saying uh, that Justin Herbert is a oh, top boy. three quarterback. <laughs> uh, and, and this guy, this guy on TikTok is actually pretty popular. Like he has a good following. I forget what his name is. But uh, yeah, he said Herbert's a top three quarterback. And I, I know for a fact that's not it. So I yeah. decided to make the question a little bit more, uh, go down a couple steps and say, is Justin Herbert a top five QB? No, he's not yet. Uh, you know, there's at least eight or nine guys, at least right now, that are just so much more consistent that 
they have to be above there. But you can see week by week, um, he's getting a little smarter with the football. He's using his legs more. And that's great. And, you know, also not taking hits. That's a big part of it, too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think um, one year from now, maybe we're having this conversation again. But right now, I don't think it's uh, it's time yet. Here, okay. I'm I'm gonna say my top three guys uh, that I know for a fact are our top three. I'm not. I don't know the order because the yeah. order is always gonna be different. But I know one, two, and three are Brady, Mahomes, and Rogers. So those are my top three for sure. Uh, from there, I'd say Lamar, and then this is where it gets interesting with that five spot because you have you have Josh Allen, you have Herbert, you have Dak, you have uh, Russell Wilson, Mike White. <laughs> And those are the four guys that, that I kind of throw into that possible five spot you can make a case for. But here's my case. I think I think you put Allen above Herbert. I think the inconsistency is a little bit – I think Allen's a little bit more consistent than Herbert. I, I think that's what I, I'm going to go with my point there. Dak, uh, great quarterback, but he also has some of the best weapons that, of any quarterback there is. And I know Brady does too, but Brady's been doing it for longer, so he's up there higher. And then Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I know the short sample size after the injury is not much, uh, but he hasn't been playing well ever, ever since he got back from that injury. And so I'm taking him barely out of my top five as well. So i say Herbert isn't quite there yet, but eventually down the line, he will be, and the Raiders will have to deal with two top five quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are, we're seeing great stuff from him already, though, so that's that's promising. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's going to be a pain. That's for sure as a Raider fan, but he is fun to watch in, in other games. Uh, Cause he's not only is he a great like throwing quarterback, he, that man can run and he can run fast. And I mean, he's not going to do it often, obviously with how uh, just the chargers are going to want him to play. Obviously you don't want your franchise quarterback running that much unless it's like Lamar Jackson. But I mean, that guy's got some legs for sure. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about Taylor Heineke, and he's coming off perhaps the best two wins of his entire career. Uh, win against the Buccaneers. We talked about that drive that they had last week uh, to ice the game against them. And then going into this week, they they weren't talked about at all. It was all Cam Newton's homecoming in Carolina, and Cam Newton played well, uh, but not as good as Taylor Heineke. Tyler Heineke threw for three touchdowns, no picks, uh, just over 200 yards. And he had a couple good runs uh, to get first downs for the Washington football team late in the game. We talked about him a little bit last year when he was playing well. Mm-hmm. But do you think Tyler Heineke has played his way into another starting QB quarterback or starting QB contract? You know, I think he's earned that second contract, but I think it's going to be more of the Nick Foles, CJ Beathard type deal. Um, you know, he's been doing his job this year. But wait, Nick Foles before before uh, after winning after. I mean, uh, the restructure with the Bears. Okay, okay, is what I mean. You know, like as a as a two or three. That was the point I was getting to. You know, I I don't think it'll be for a starting quarterback job unless he gets. uh, You know, baseball fans will know the qualifying offer. You know, a qualifying offer with Washington to you know prove yourself one more time. and again, I'm not saying this is all of his fault because these are some tough teams, but mm-hmm. the games he's lost this year, Denver, Green Bay, Kansas City, New Orleans, all really close games. He has like under 250 passing yards in 
And, you know, he's doing his job, but to get that type of money, you have to do more. And I know, you know, he's progressed a little bit this year. That drive was great against Tampa Bay. Um, mm. But he's got to do a little more than that. You know, he got, he got some help from his uh, running backs, that drive for sure. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, but I also think the, the weapons that Heineke has to deal with are one of the, probably the, it's quite a bit below average, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have McLaurin, uh, you have a true number one, which is really, really nice. And I know he's been using McLaurin a lot this year. Uh, but besides that, I mean, Curtis Samuel's been hurt. And then who's your who's your top wide receiver besides that? I mean, Steven Sims. I, Adam Humphreys, Cam maybe. Sims. One of the uh, Sims. <laughs> then you look at tight end, too. I mean, Ricky Seals Jones is good, uh, but Lance Thomas, or yeah, Lance Thomas has been hurt Logan. most of the year. Or yeah, Logan Thomas uh, mm-hmm. has been hurt most of the year. So he's not there. And then you look at running back. I mean, Gibson and McKissick are good, but they're not that great. Uh, so I think he's the stuff that he's doing with and, and being able to even throw Washington in this like playoff contention area is, is special for him. And I think uh, that, that's going to get him money, maybe not with Washington because they might want to go another direction in, in drafting mm-hmm. a QB. I think they honestly should keep him, even if they do draft a QB just to kind of bridge him into the next guy. Uh, but if they don't go with that, I think Denver might give a little opportunity. It seems like a Denver type thing to do is to sign this guy. Uh, and then maybe a couple other teams across the league that are looking to bridge a guy to their next quarterback. But as far as starting QB money goes, as as how fun Tyler Henneke is to watch, he just isn't the greatest quarterback itself. Yeah. So starting QB money, no. But bridge QB money to be a starting QB for five weeks or so before they go to the new rookie quarterback, I think that is definitely in uh, in his cards to play over the next year. Interesting. Next up, you see him as as a bridge. I just I just said third stringer. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not bad, man, and he he's fun to oh, watch. I don't think and he's bad. At, you he, know, he's got the approval of his teammates. I think. Uh, I mean, they they play Monday night against Seattle in, in this upcoming game. So if they win that one, five and six throws you right into the NFC playoff race. And then, I mean, you have some divisional games down the line where I mean, their their final five games go: Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. They have five divisional games in the season. Uh, and then after that Seahawks game, they play the Raiders. But I mean, all those games are pretty winnable. So if he makes the playoffs, he's definitely going to get some, some good money and uh, be a starter for a team next year. Next up is Derek Carr. I mean, he's played, he played amazing to start the season. That was without a doubt. He was on the MVP rankings for us for a good amount of the year. And then he fell off for a little bit, came back, and then fell off again. Uh, and the Raiders haven't won in just about a month now. And uh, as a Raider fan, the Derek Carr's future is something that's talked about a lot online, whether it be mm-hmm. just delusional Twitter fan- people saying that they need to cut him or they need to do some crazy stuff with him and just start Mariota every week. It- it's all over with Derek Carr. So I'm kind of – Wanted to see what Skyler's perspective is on this, and then I'll yeah. give my take. What is Derek Carr's future? You know, if I'm a Raiders fan, I or I, I won't say fan. I'll say if I'm working in the Raiders front office, I wouldn't want to blow this up completely. Um, and I'll get to my reasoning here. I don't think his future is with the Raiders. I I've mentioned I've passed this by Kyle a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I really think a possibility here is. 
Matt Ryan and a first uh, for a swap with Derek Carr. Uh, they, they're both in, in domes. Uh, Matt Ryan needs a change of scenery. I think the Raiders could take on that contract. Uh, the only issue is the Raiders haven't been drafting very well. I know a lot of it's not really their fault, mm-hmm. you know, and they have had, you know, Hobbs and Crosby in the late rounds, a couple gems. Uh, so some kind of retooling where, I don't know, you know, like a, like Darnold to the, to the Panthers, something like that, just to, you know, fuck it. You know, if it doesn't work, whatever, his contract will be up in a couple of years anyways, just to get, get some change in the building. I know um, Derek Carr is a big part of that uh, building, but something's got to change, and I, I think you know it too. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go two ways with this. I think Derek Carr is going to stay the Raiders quarterback. Uh, as far as winning a Super Bowl goes, I don't think he's ever going to be that guy, but as far as keeping you in playoff contention every year, I think he is that guy. And I think that's what he's going to end up doing for the Raiders this year. He might not get him into the playoffs, but he might have a couple good games that say, Hey, I mean, we really can't let go of this guy. And then uh, he just ends up playing his way to another contract. And I think that's what it ends up being uh, as much as it sucks to kind of just be in the same situation every year where he says this team's different, or we're actually going to do something this year, or he's really excited about this team and then have him fail, that sucks. But, I mean, the way that he plays, it's it's going to – the Raiders are going to have no choice but to, to give him an extension eventually down the line here, especially with the, the possible attraction of Devontae Adams if mm-hmm. they, they get to that spot in free agency. Uh, and that's where the retooling comes in, not the big blow-up. So I see what you mean. Yeah, and, and that's – I mean, obviously, the the wide receivers are an issue right now. I mean, his top target is Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is great. I love him, but he's obviously not a true number one. He's just a great slot receiver. Uh, Brian Edwards, as much as I wish he could be great, I don't think he is that good just uh, because he, he can't win one-on-one coverage, and if you can't win one-on-one coverage, you're not that good of a receiver. And then Zay Jones, I mean, Carr says he's a hard worker, but he's just not a good player uh, at the end of the day. You have the two great tight ends with Moreau and Waller, but I don't know. The, the weapons aren't really there. So if you give him Devontae Adams, hopefully that changes. We'll mm. see. He's had a whole bunch of number one receivers throughout his career, and that would be by far the best one. But that's going to take us to halftime. Interesting stuff. And with that being <laughs> said, let's go to MLB. The offseason is going on right now. Yeah. And we got the all MLB first and second teams uh, just releasing about 20 minutes ago. So we'll go over the second team and then the first team with you. First off, the second team, the relievers are oh, Rafael Iglesias and Kenley Jansen. So that's, I mean, two guys that had great seasons, a little underrated for both of them, I feel like. I feel like Kenley's overhated and Iglesias is, isn't appreciated, but he's a free agent. He'll get some money and then we'll see him next year. And then we get to the starting pitchers. We had Max Fried, Kevin Gosman, Shohei Otani, Julio Urias, and Zach Wheeler. Uh, I like all these guys here. There's a lot of pitching him. this year. So, I mean, I feel like some people would get upset, but it's hard to take any one of those guys off. Yeah, I, I like the list, uh, depending on who the guys are at number one. I haven't yeah, looked yeah, at the team course. yet. Uh, and then we have the infield, uh, Buster Posey, which is a good one. Freddie Freeman at first. Ozzy Albies at second. Trey Turner at short. And Rafael Devers at third. Uh, I think that's a pretty good list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Turner, 
Wait, who was the first baseman? Freddie Freeman. Okay. So it's going to be probably Vlad. Uh, yeah. One. Which is upsetting to us. <laughs> and then the outfielders uh, in DH are Castellanos, Teoscar Hernandez, Cal Tucker, and Jordan Alvarez. Seems pretty good. Maybe Teoscar's a little interesting. I know he had a great season, uh, but maybe there could have been a guy that thrown in there at the five or six spot instead of him. And then let's go to the first team. Well, the relievers are Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks, so I think they got that right. Uh, the starting pitchers are Max Scherzer, uh, Cy Young Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, Cy Young Garrett or Corbin Burns, and Walker Buehler. I think you look at all those guys. Mm. And then go back to the last list. Uh, maybe Wheeler instead of Garrett Cole. I think that's probably the only thing I'd change. But yeah. eh, solid list still. And then we go to the hitters. Uh, we'll start with the infield first, where you have Salvador Perez, which is interesting. I think, I mean, the home runs are there, obviously, but Buster Posey was amazing. Mm-hmm. Vladimir Guerrero, which is right. Uh, Marcus Semien, which is right. Fernando Tatis, which is right. Austin Riley, who is the, oh, Devers. Yeah, uh, I'm cool with that. I think that's fine. And then in the outfield and DH, you have Harper, Judge, Soto, which I think is all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool is with Mullins that. on the second team? No. That's wow. kind of tough. Honorable mention for sure, though. Yeah. And then uh, at DH, we have the two-way. Uh, we saw him as a pitcher on the second team, and we have him as a DH on the first team. That's Shohei Otani. Wow. Obviously, that's the first time that's ever been done before. And that's pretty damn crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, that's all, that's all we got for that one. And now let's go to Skyler with some of the MLB signings that we've had over the last week or so. Yeah. All right. So today, big one, uh, Wander Franco, former number one prospect in baseball. Tampa Bay gave him a 12-year extension. Well, it is 11 with a, with an option. Mm-hmm. Um, $185 million guaranteed, worth $223 million. Um, I really like this. Yeah, of course. I, I like mean, this if, a lot. <laughs> if you were a Rays fan, I mean, we we kind of are Rays fans in the sense that we deal with a similar market type beat mm-hmm. uh, where you, we don't spend, obviously, as Rays fans. Uh, and you get this this prospect and you're just curious, oh, oh God, is the same thing going to happen that ha- has happened before? We just don't keep our guy. And then he walks away <clears> and he goes and be's, goes to be great somewhere else. And they finally lock him down. So I'm sure the Rays fans are ex- Extremely happy with how young uh, Wanda Franco is and how he's performed so far. And now that he's going to be in Tampa Bay for 11 plus years. Yeah. And if you like, don't uh, understand the importance of this, this guy has like Juan Soto slashing numbers and he's 20 years old, you mm-hmm. know, obviously a little lower on base percentage, but uh, this dude's going to be, I'll say projects to be a monster because yeah, you know, be we're not all from the future. I mean, right. he, and, he already uh, <laughs> was a beast in, in the yes. time that he, he he played in the regular season as well as the postseason. Mm-hmm. All right. Yesterday, we had two pitchers signing, one of them re-signing. Anthony DeSclafani, the Giants are keeping around. Three-year deal, $36 million. And, you know, when you have your guys, you make sure you keep them. That's one thing the Mets couldn't do. And I, you got to like that if you're at the Giants, mm-hmm. you know, a fan of the Giants. Yeah. 
Uh, smaller signing, Aaron Loop had a pretty good year with the Mets. Uh, another Mets pitcher walking, and he's signing with the Angels, two years, seventeen million. Uh, not bad, you know. I guess they're going to try to go all in this year, you know, allegedly, you know, with a wide open AOS. Uh, so this could be a dude that could help them. Yeah, I mean the pitcher, the Angels just need healthy pitchers, and Aaron Loop was good this year, so I guess that gives them a healthy pitcher. But if you get Aaron Loop and you lose Iglesias, I don't really see that being worth it. Yeah. Um, a couple days ago, uh, the sneaky signing. I like this one. Brewers add Pedro Severino, the catcher from Baltimore. Only $1.9 million, one year. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of a try it deal. If uh, this guy can get on base, they'll give him some more money because that's being an issue with Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, Narvaez is good, but he he's a very platoon type guy, and yeah. I think uh, Severino doesn't have uh, nearly as much struggles with left-handers. Uh, so mm-hmm. I like to sign in for Milwaukee as well. I, another one that I saw yesterday was Alex Wood returning to uh, yes, yeah, uh, SF. Uh, I think it's like two years, ten million, or two years, twenty million, something like that. So I mean, mm-hmm. another pitcher that the Giants are keeping around, and I know they expect to be very, very active in this market down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, and another Giants move a couple days ago. Brandon Belt takes the qualifying offer like most of us expected. So nothing crazy there. And then the last one, Justin Verlander coming back to Houston. One year, $25 million with an option. He could be making $50 million mm-hmm. at, what is he, 38? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean... It depends if he goes back to the form that he was before. He was yeah. obviously a great pitcher for so many years in Detroit and Houston, but getting Tommy John at the beginning of 2020 and then obviously being knocked out of all of 2021 as well kind of sets it a little weird for a 38-year-old guy, and uh, he cashes in on his money. And lastly, the uh, last thing I want to talk about yeah. before we go on to the next one is Kendall Graveman. I mean, I don't know if he is in agreement. I don't think there has been an actual deal struck with the White Sox yet. Uh, but I know they have showed extreme interest uh, and the White Sox are, are really mm-hmm. looking to make a push at a lot of guys in this free agency uh, with rumors of Robbie Ray and uh, Marcus Samian as well. That'd be big. Yeah. And uh, the other step there was Syndergaard signing Barrios and uh, Erod. We talked about those last week. So I think we're all good. Mm-hmm. All right. Now on we're done with to- baseball, right? Yeah, I'm done with right. baseball, back on to football. Uh, so we had to take a little sidetrack there. Uh, but let's go back and let's look at some of the other games that happened in the NFL in week 11. First off, it was Thursday night, and that Patriots defense swarmed the Falcons. They win 25 nothing. Josh Rosen, Matt Ryan, and Felipe Franks all threw picks <laughs> in this game. Uh, I don't know. When's the last time a team has had three different quarterbacks throw an interception in the game? Um uh, Probably something the Jets or Raiders have done in the past 20 years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, Bengals beat the Raiders 32-13. to 13. Talked about that a little bit. The Colts take down the Bills and a big surprise in the rematch of that wild card game from last year. Uh, 41-15. to 15. I don't think any of us expected it to be this type of blowout. Jonathan big. Taylor no. went off, as we mentioned before. Uh, and when we get to our MVP rankings in the second half of the show... It's we'll talk about Jonathan Taylor for sure. And probably talk about uh, Josh Allen as well. We had the Ravens taking down the bears 16 to 13. Matt Nagy's job is in question. Now we're talking about more about that in the second half. Cause they didn't just lose to the Ravens. They lost to the Lamar Jackson list Ravens and Tyler <laughs> Hunley started in that game. He threw 
36 passes, completed 26 of them, had 219 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and one of those, I mean, he had a great drive to end the game. That's all that really mattered. Yeah, Hunley from Utah, big week for them. Yeah. Uh, the Browns beat the Lions barely, 13-10, to 10, pretty ugly game. I think probably this is the least watched game out of the whole weekend. Uh, and so Lions stay winless, Browns stay alive in the AFC playoff race. Texans and the Titans produced another big shocker here when the Texans took down the Titans 22 to 13. We'll talk more about the Titans later on in the show and their release of Adrian Peterson. Uh, The Vikings took down the Packers in what was a great game uh, back and forth at the end of the game. Vikings win though, 34 to 31. Uh, Dolphins jets, 24 to 17. Michael Carter got hurt in that game, unfortunately. Uh, but the, the coming out party for Elijah Moore, that's for sure. The Eagles destroyed the Saints. Uh, score was a little closer than what the game was, uh, 40 to 29. The Eagles ran the ball 50 times in this game. Uh, and looking back at how that season started for them with not running the ball at all to being a complete running team is kind of shocking. But the Eagles get the job done there. Uh, just like we said earlier, Washington spoiled the homecoming for Cam Newton. Uh, 27 to 21. Cam Newton did play well, though. I'll give you his stats right now. 21 for 27, 189 yards and two touchdowns, as well as 10 carries, 46 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well. So three touchdowns or three total touchdowns and no turnovers for Cam in his return to Carolina. The Niners took down the Jags in a pretty bad game to watch. 30 to 10 was the score in that one. Jimmy G played well, but not the greatest. I feel like he missed a couple throws in that one. Uh, Debo Samuel only caught one pass for 16 yards, but he had eight carries for 79 yards and a touchdown. One of the more interesting gadgets guys in, in the NFL right now, and the Niners are just trying to find any way that they can get him the ball. The Chiefs take down the Cowboys 19 to 9. I feel like we all expected this game to be a little bit better, uh, but the Cowboys are down some of their wide receivers, Amari Cooper and cd lamb after cd i think got a concussion or something like that and uh omari cooper got covid earlier in the week the cardinals stuck a fork in the seahawks beating them with colt mccoy uh 23 to 13 colt mccoy had a great game i mean he went 35 for 44 328 yards and two touchdowns no picks seahawks are just i mean i thought they kind of pulled themselves out of it once they got russell wilson back but does not look good for them, especially uh, with no first round pick with that first round pick going to the Jets this year. And I know Skyler's quite happy about that oh, one. Yeah. Uh, Sunday night produced a very good game. Uh, fourth quarter alone had a score of 27 to 14, but the Steelers lose 41 to 37. Mike Williams, not a walk off touchdown, but a big touchdown at the end of the game, 53 yards from Justin Herbert and Herbert had a game too. I mean, he had 90 yards on the ground, uh, which is by far his career high. And then he also threw for 382 yards in the air and three touchdowns. And on Monday night, uh, we all kind of expected this one with the Bucks and the Giants. Uh, Bucks weren't even playing their starters come the middle of the fourth quarter, and they win 30 to 10. Good game for Brady. Good game for Evans. Not a good game for Daniel Jones and the rest of the Giants. But Saquon yeah. did return, so I mean, gotta be happy about that. Yeah. All right. We ready for the injuries? Of course. And. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm ready, but I am yeah. prepared to hear I understand. Them. So I think the biggest one this week, uh, the Packers, it's Elton Jenkins, their mm-hmm. 
star offensive lineman, young guy, looked like he was going to play guard, stepped up, played left tackle this year. He tore his ACL. And that's that sucks, man. This is the type of move that you look back on. You're like, man, if we just had, you know, this one guy, you know, we could have won the Super Bowl. And I think it's going to hurt him in the long run. David Bakhtiari still not even back yet for Green Bay. Uh, O-line's yeah. going to be interesting. Mm. Um, another one, Chris Carson with the Seahawks. Uh, came off of IR, tried to practice, found out he's got a disc issue in his neck. Season-ending surgery for him too yeah and sucks. You know those, i had him in fantasy I mean, <laughs> the, those neck injuries i mean they're scary in the sense obviously for the team uh but whenever you see neck injuries it it's very very tough for guys to recover in a contact sport like football mm. when you have an injury like that quincy nunwa i mean he, he had a a great sophomore season had a neck injury he's just never the same so i feel mm. that yeah uh, cowboys had a bunch man uh tyron smith though uh, maybe I should end with this, actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll end with that. Uh, Ezekiel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ezekiel Elliott uh, didn't practice today. C.D. Lambs in concussion protocol didn't practice yesterday, but uh, I guess tried to practice today or tried to do some drills today. So mm-hmm. we don't really know about him yet. Uh, and the good news was Tyron Smith is feeling really good, looking like he's going to play against the Raiders. Uh, I'll talk more about that game a little later. Um, Jaguars, their best player, Jamal Agnew, he does everything for them. Season ending hip injury, it sucks for them. Uh, and then one last big one, Jared Goff, who missed last week with an oblique injury, looking like he's going to come back. Tim Boyle experience is over. Actually, I, I'm sorry, there is one more big one. I forgot. Justin Fields, ribs, has not practiced the past couple of days. Doesn't yeah, look like he's going to play. He's not playing. He's he's not. I'm pr- they said Andy Dalton's going to start. So maybe okay. he he's on the bench, but they said for yeah. sure that Andy Dalton's going to start. Uh, and are you done with that? Because I, I got a couple moves that did happen in the NFL today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I got the uh, the tweet. Go ahead. Awesome. So <laughs> first off, we got Jason Garrett uh, being fired as OC of the Giants. Uh, so I think Freddie Kitchens, I think, is the interim OC in that time. Yeah, like, Those Giants fans will take whatever they can get. <laughs> that staff is really, really weird in, in New York with the guys that they got there, besides the head coach, obviously. They're trying to uh, like rebuild New England with a bunch yeah, of guys who have used to have power. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Texans cut uh, running back Philip Lindsay. I thought he was going to be the main back in this offense going into the season. He ended up not being really used at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy who ran for a thousand yards, I think just last year is, is now, or I don't think maybe not last year, but the year before for sure is now not on a team. This could be a Tennessee pickup. Maybe the Titans did cut Adrian Peterson. Uh, so there is that. Uh, Sad for AD man. He, uh, he just hasn't been himself the past couple of weeks and he he just wasn't ready to play this year, you know, and yeah. I think he should retire, uh, but he's going to hang his, his head up high. You know? I mean, yeah, Great he's career. one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, Titans didn't make a move to get a guy. They got golden Tate, uh, <laughs> which is kind of weird. I feel like he should have been on an NFL roster at this point, uh, considering his production Maybe throughout the last few years reasons. compared to some of the other guys. He's an interesting character, so maybe yeah. that was the issue. But uh, he's now back in the league. The 49ers signed former Panthers receiver Devin Funches. Uh, so goal line target for Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe. Falcons got a punter that is used to that division, Thomas Morstead, guy that has punted with the Jets for a long time. And uh, the Jets placed a couple of their QBs on the COVID list. Uh, that's yes. via my sports <laughs> update. 
one of the best accounts to follow on Twitter. Go put them on notifications yeah. as well. For sure. All right. Let's get into some college football. Heck it's yeah. starting to get interesting, Kyle. It is. Uh, it's getting very interesting. I, I, I want to talk about all the games that we got this week too yeah, after this. For sure. But yeah, I got I got a couple games I picked out. I want to talk about before we talk about the rankings, just because you know it'll spoil it. Mm-hmm. And I wanna I wanna put my uh my spin on it. All right. So first game. Ohio State, Michigan State. Ohio State blows the doors off of them, 56 to 7. CJ Stroud, the young quarterback, he's got six touchdowns, over 400 yards in the first half alone. They shut down Kenneth Walker, only 26 rushing yards. They didn't and, give him the, the ball that much, though, in, the, in his defense. He, but he wasn't I, they, they couldn't. Give him like, like 15 carries to do that. I, I saw he had like maybe seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's big and, uh, I, and I don't want to spoil for, for later, but this win was big and it showed mm-hmm. uh, everybody. Uh, next game I want to talk about is Alabama, Arkansas. I joked with Kyle about this one that Arkansas was going to upset him, and it was a pretty good game. Alabama won, but it was 42 35. Uh, Traylon Burks, Arkansas receiver, 179 yards, two touchdowns. He's uh, looking like a first rounder. So that's cool. You know, a receiver class that at first didn't look very promising. There's some names now for the NFL. Uh, and of course, Bryce Young, he had 559 passing yards. That's an Alabama record for quarterbacks. Five touchdowns. Uh, Jamison Williams doing his thing. I think he'll be a first-round receiver too. Uh, Jamison Williams actually had 190 yards. Damn. So good for him. <laughs> Next game, uh, wow, another just earth-shattering win here. Uh, Utah. 38 to seven win over Oregon. I turned this game on at work. I was like, Oh yeah, I can, you know, put it on the big screen while I'm working. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. And it's already like 28 to nothing. I was like, Oh my God. I was very happy about that though. Sorry, Brett, but I was very, very happy. And you know, the the passing offense for Oregon has been a little suspect, but uh, Anthony Brown just wasn't ready for this one. The defense for Utah went crazy running game. Of course, you know, you know, with Utah, it's a team effort. Uh, and the last game I want to talk about, not a lot of implications here, but I got to talk about Wisconsin. Uh, they beat Nebraska 35 to 28. Uh, they've been on a little roll here. Uh, start off slow. Now they're eight and three. Um, Braylon Allen, freshman running back. He is 17 years old. He had 228 yards and three touchdowns against Nebraska on 20 carries. Damn. He already has a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns and he didn't even play the first half of the season. Jeez. So this is a name to watch out for. It's a name to look for over the next few years for sure. But with that being said, let's take a look at the rankings. They came out today at 4 uh, PM West coast time. uh, From ESPN, obviously. Yeah. Uh, And this is what we got. We got Arkansas at number 25, Houston at number 24, Clemson at number 23, UT San Antonio. The perfect season does not matter to the college football committee. They stay at 22, uh, but I mean, they're, they're no sensey, obviously. Uh, 21 is San Diego State. 20 is NC State. 19 after their big win against Oregon uh, is Utah. Wake Forest goes down eight spots to 18. Pittsburgh to 17. Iowa to 16, Texas A&M at 15, Wisconsin is 14, BYU is 13, Michigan State after getting killed against Ohio State 
goes down to 12. Oregon falls out of the top four, and they go all the way down to 11 after getting killed by Utah. Oklahoma goes back up until the top 10 at number 10. Ole Miss is at number nine. Baylor at number eight. Oklahoma State at number seven. Notre Dame at number six. Michigan at number five. And like I said in, their, in, our, in my opener, mm-hmm. they finally did it. They put Cincy at number four. Uh, I'm so happy about that. And then we get a little interesting it, with two and three. Alabama, even though they did win, they get punished a little bit, or maybe it's part of Ohio State just doing so well. But Alabama goes down one spot to number three, and then Ohio State goes to number two, and Georgia stays at number one. I mean, two and three really don't matter that much because it's, regardless, you're just going to be playing each other. It's not like you're playing at mm. your home stadium or anything. Uh, so those two, even though they flip-flop, are would remain the same if we were to start the college football playoff today. Honestly, I think the committee was sending a message here. Um, you know, if something like Georgia beats Alabama by 30, you know, Alabama won't get in. They'll knock them out. Yeah. Uh, they're valuing the big uh, big rivalry games. Which sure. is very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it's, it's very possible that, say, somehow since he loses, mm-hmm. say uh, Oregon or Ohio State loses – but not to Michigan. Say, say if Ohio State loses like the Big 12 championship game. Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, somehow. Uh, and then Alabama loses as well. Those are three teams that if you you, are, you can't put yeah. in some of those teams. But Herb also Street the teams below them, this you specific, really can't put them in. Were you watching the show? No, I wasn't watching. Herb was Street said that, that specific um, scenario you said he would still put Cincinnati at three. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a weird spot this year. I mean – I feel like even though Ohio State, Bama, since they have obviously looked amazing this whole season, the only lock that we really have for the playoff right now is Georgia. Mm-hmm. And that feels weird to say with, with where we are uh, in the season. Yeah, for sure. Skyler is going to give you his Heisman top five, and then we'll go back to me with some of the biggest college football games that we're going to get you ready for uh, for this next it's week. rivalry week, man. Yeah, man, we got we got some big ones, and it's it's gonna be probably the most fun weekend throughout the whole season. Yeah. All right, we'll start off with the honorable mentions. I got three of them for you. We're at that stage where there's some guys I have to talk about, but they're just they're just too far out, you know. First one I want to talk about: Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh quarterback. He's had a great year. Pittsburgh's been that team this year that uh, we thought Clemson would be. You know, just dominating the ACC through the air. And Kenny Pickett had another 340 yards, four touchdowns against Virginia. Um, similar with Matt Corral here, I bumped him down to honorable mention yeah. over 300 yards, two touchdowns against Vandy. But, um, you know, there's some guys just putting up ridiculous numbers and that's what the Heisman's all about. You know, uh, if Matt Corral beats Alabama, we have a completely different story and we have a team in the top five here, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not the case. Uh, and the last one is Jordan Davis, the Georgia defensive tackle, um, doesn't have a lot of numbers to show for it. Cause he's playing in the interior, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's the heart and soul of his team. He had a rushing touchdown last week against Charleston Southern. So uh, good for the big man. Uh, number he's five. Huge. Sorry. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. He's best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number five, Kenneth Walker gets a big drop down. Uh, only 26 yards against Ohio State. I don't think it, he's done. I, I think some some guys may have already voted for him. You never know. Yeah. Uh, you know, old guys vote for the Heisman. You know, <sighs> Trust me, that's that's how college football is supposed to be. Run the ball down the throat. 
you know, uh, so he's still on there. Number four, you're going to like this one. Big jump for Desmond Ritter. He, uh, he's yeah. finally figuring it out. You know, uh, he's had a couple of rough weeks the past couple, but he had 274 yards, four total touchdowns against SMU. Uh, Do you know what the variety of those touchdowns were, Skeller? I don't. He had a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown. My mistake then. He has five total touchdowns. I didn't know he had a receiving touchdown. Yeah, he they ran a little Philly special type play. Okay. So wow. uh, I was completely fine with that. All right. <laughs> Number three, this one hurts me, but I have to drop him down as the weeks progress. He'll probably be out of here by then. It's Will Anderson. I think he's the best player in college football. Uh, he had another sack and four tackles for loss last week against Arkansas. And he's, I think, by far the best defensive player. Number two, bump up. Bryce Young, Alabama. Uh, like I said, he set the passing record for Alabama and uh, five touchdowns against Arkansas. He's just having a solid year, and he he hasn't really had a bust week, you know, like some of these guys have. So I, I got to honor that, even though I hate Alabama. And number one, the biggest jump of the entire season, maybe it's CJ Stroud. Uh, it's just it's so hard to ignore what he did last week against one of the best defenses in the league, their rival, a top ten team. Michigan State, six touchdowns in the first half. You know, I don't know uh, if this will be sustained. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, someone like uh, Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett could do the same thing next week against a rivalry rivalry game, and Vegas odds will shoot up for them. You know, it, it seems like it's been changing every week. But right now I have C.J. Stroud at number one. Ohio State is a completely different team in the second half. Yeah, it's – it's like the, the CJ Stroud and, and Bryce Young thing that we're seeing mm-hmm. right now is kind of, it feels comparable to Lawrence and Fields, mm-hmm. even though the, the, I mean, Lawrence and Fields, that magnitude kind of wasn't, is a bit, bit more and they came on a bit earlier in their career. Yeah. But I mean, Young and, and Stroud are two guys that are going to be the faces of college football going into the next year, obviously. Uh, and then from there, I mean, who knows? So they should be picks one and two in that draft. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch going into next year. Uh, and there is definitely going to be some some suck for Stroud or tank for young type uh, hashtags yeah. that we're going to see. Eat it year for young. They just <laughs> they bring in uh, Nate Peterman as their starter. <laughs> <Yeah>. and just <laughs> Exactly, dude. I mean, the quarterbacks next year are going to be fun. Nah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, let's look at some of the games that we got going on in this rivalry week. We're going to start for the games on Sunday and then go earlier in the week uh, and look at some of the games on Friday. First off, Clemson, South Carolina, two teams that haven't been that good this year, but nonetheless still a fun game to watch. Clemson is 11 and a half point favorites. Uh, next up, we have Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. This is a big one. I know Skyler's going to talk about this in our picks mm. later on. Oklahoma State is favored by four points, and that game is going to be fun to watch. That's on at 4.30 p.m. on ABC on Saturday. Next right up, when we I have start Cam- working. Yeah, Tamu and LSU, uh, that's going to be another good game. Uh, I mean, LSU isn't that good, but Tamu is fun to watch. So we got that one. Uh, we have Penn State and Michigan State. Penn State is one-point favorites in this game. Uh, that's on at 1230 at ABC. Wow, <laughs> battle of the dysfunction. Yeah, we have the Iron Bowl, even though it's not uh, really a, that big of a game because Alabama is really, really good. The Iron Bowl is still the Iron Bowl, and there's been so many good moments in that one. So yeah. Alabama, even though they're favored by 19.5 points in Auburn, it's going to be a fun game to watch, as always. 
What's your favorite uh, Iron Bowl moment, Cal? The kick six, man. How could Chris it not Davis, be? man. Exactly. Chris Davis, man. <laughs> Didn't throw that one in there. Uh, let's see. What else we got? We got Wake Forest and Boston College. Uh, maybe not the biggest rivalry, is, to my knowledge, but that's a decent game on ESPN2 at 9 a.m. So that's always fun. We have the game on on Fox at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Ohio State versus Michigan. Ohio State is an eight and a half point favorite in this one, but that should be a fun game to watch. Uh, we know Alex is going to have a big interest in that one. Uh, don't forget about Notre Dame and Stanford. Just kidding. You can, if you want to, uh, that game's on Fox and Notre Dame's favorited by 19 and a half, 19 points as they visit the farm. In That's Stanford. a team that could get into the playoff. If things get weird at the end, if they get really, really weird. Yeah. Sure. Cause Notre Dame did lose to Cincy. So yeah. there is that. Uh, and that win looks so much better now that, that Notre Dame is six, <laughs> which is cool. Uh, we have North Carolina versus NC State on Friday night at 4 p.m. Even though North Carolina isn't ranked, that's one of the most fun teams to watch in college football due to their high-powered offense. Uh, we also have Cincy and East Carolina. Cincy's a big favorite in this one Friday day at 1230. Uh, but since he's a playoff team now, so you got their must-watch TV. This one, I think, is super, super interesting. We have a 10-30 game on Friday. Uh, Iowa and Nebraska. Iowa is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, even mm. though Nebraska is 3-8. and eight. So yeah. uh, that's pretty interesting there. Uh, Friday morning as well, we have Boise State and San Diego State. Uh, that's going to be a fun one, uh, but it's weird. They're playing at 9 a.m. in San Diego. That usually never happens. Exactly. I, I know they had some game like that last year with, uh, I believe is UCLA and uh, USC or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. It's just, that's so weird to do. I know it's for the TV purposes, but nonetheless, it's weird. Uh, and then Thursday, a little Thanksgiving action. We have Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Should be great. Uh, Matt Corral's fun to watch. But Will Mississippi Rogers, State, Mississippi State, also fun to watch. Yeah, Mississippi State is the favorite in that one. So go ahead and watch that game. If you're not watching the Raider game on Thanksgiving, you finished your mashed potatoes. Exactly. Dude, go make sure you eat those vegetables too. Not just mashed potatoes. All right. With that being said though, that's going to do it for halftime. Let's get back to some NFL action in the second half. Mm -hmm. Person that we're going to talk about is a coach that's probably gone from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, That's Matt Nagy. I mean, he has been, uh, his job has been in question for the last few years to say the least. And now we're kind of getting to the point where he is on that breaking. Uh, there was a rumor going around. I think Matt Nagy was asked about it today. Uh, that if he would be fired regardless of the outcome on Thursday's game against the lions, he said that he doesn't know about that. So I don't know what the truth is to that, but I mean, obviously if, even if he was informed about that, I don't think he would have said that to, uh, the public. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to talk about how far is Matt Nagy's leash in Chicago and what's next for Chicago. If they keep Nagy, they fire him. What what are they going to look for in a head coach? I don't think Matt Nagy's going to make it to next year. Uh, but I think it is very unlikely that he gets fired this year. Uh, let me tell you why. They're playing Detroit next week. Um, if they lose that game, yes, he will get fired for sure the next Monday. Uh, but after that, they play Arizona at Green Bay, Minnesota, who's been hot at Seattle. Um, and then the Vikings again, I, 
don't think you can blame them for that. You know, with a, a roster that can't compete with teams like that this year, especially with your young quarterback hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you never know with a, a market like Chicago, but it just seems kind of unfair. So I'm going to say he doesn't get fired during the yeah. season. I think, uh, do you have any opinion on, on what they should do as far as what look they're looking in for a coach? And you know, uh, it's tough because Matt Nagy was supposed to be that offensive guru guy, you know, same with how Adam Gase was. So that's always, uh, really risky. Um, for them, you're looking for one of the top college guys, or you're looking for a CEO type guy, like uh, similar to the Raiders, you know, like a B enemy or, uh, pretty much anyone from new England or Kansas city or green Bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And my take with Matt Nagy, uh, I'm in the same boat. If you lose to Detroit, regardless of with Andy Dalton starting or not, you are going to get fired and you will have Black Friday to go shopping instead of looking at film. Uh, with that being said, I do think they win on Thursday. I think it's going to be pretty tough for them to lose to the Vikings, even if they try or not the Vikings, Lions. the Lions, even if they try to. Uh, that Cardinals game is a little interesting because I feel like a fully healthy Cardinals the next week is going to be very tough to beat. But in Pat in Green Bay the week after that on a Sunday night, yeah, Sunday night, uh, they lose that game. Nagy's gone. And I know it's a very tough game to win. It is a complete, it's damn near impossible game to win. But those games matter so much to the Bears. And if you can't beat the Packers. Uh, then they don't want you. So he's going to be gone after that game, in, in my opinion. Uh, then for the final four games of the season with the Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, and Vikings, uh, there's going to be an interim head coach. Uh, but I think Nagy's gone. And in the offseason, I think a guy that really makes a lot of sense for Chicago is going to be Brian Dable, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. Uh, he did a very good job with helping develop Josh Allen. I think that's kind of what the the bear the bears are going to be looking for as far as QB development. Uh, he, he actually drew up some amazing plays for the the, the Bills as well uh, in the last few years. I think that's going to be a big thing uh, for Chicago to look at as they just they got the defense part down. If they have ever all their guys there, especially Cleo Mack, I think their defense is just going to be not as good as maybe 2018, but uh, a solid defense upper echelon in the league. And then their offense. I mean, if you get a good play caller, I think I like the pieces that are there with Montgomery and Mooney, mm-hmm. uh, as well as some of the guys like uh, Cole Komet and some of the secondary pieces. It's It could be a decent offense if they make the right moves in the offseason, and I think Brian Dable would help them with that. So that's what's next for them. What's next I want to for see Nagy. Kellen Moore. Hmm. That's actually kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't know how that would go, though, because I feel like What's uh, Moore's been used to is he's had a lot of different options in his career. Obviously, they they, they got a lot of guys uh, in, in Dallas. I feel like them or not Denver, Chicago is less fortunate in that matter. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I mean if they make the right moves, they can have a pretty powerful offense with the guys that they got. Because I mean, everybody sees the potential with Fields. I, I mean, we know he's a rookie, so he's got some blemishes to him. But he's had a couple plays throwing and running the football where you're just like, "Wow, man, th- this guy's got a lot of." Go get stuff him, uh, Chris Olave. 
That's true. Go get him his guy. Actually, don't take him so the Raiders can take him. I'd love to get Mr. Olave or Garrett Wilson uh, yeah. in the silver and black. Let's go to the AFC South, though, where the Colts have been on an onslaught the last few weeks. They, I want to say killed the Jets, but they put a hurt to the Jets. They put up 45 points very yes. quickly in that one. Uh, they beat the Jags in a pretty good game the, last week, and then they they just demolished the, the Bills out of nowhere. Uh, and then we're looking at the Titans, who are down bad in the injury sense. I mean, Tannehill might be a decent quarterback, but he's not a good quarterback when you don't have A.J. Brown, you don't have Julio Jones, and you don't have your running back and Derrick Henry. Uh, so that kind of takes his effect away. Obviously, those injuries, like I just mentioned, with those three main guys on offense – uh, AJ Brown actually should play this week though. So that's good. But who lives on short term IR and we all know about Henry. So will the Colts overtake the Titans in the AFC South? Uh, I just want to say before we get into this, that, uh, I told you, I didn't like Buffalo. <laughs> oh, I think Buffalo it's, it's so weird there. It's, yeah. it's, it's so weird with, uh, the, the Patriots and them in that division. Cause the Patriots, I mean, they might be the most dangerous team in the AFC right now yeah. with how they've been playing. Uh, but do they have the best roster in the AFC? No. So who knows? They, they maybe have like the fourth or fifth best roster, which is weird. Yeah. All right. So with the South, uh, I'm not going to change my opinion. I think they're both going to finish with the same record and Tennessee gets the tiebreaker. Uh, it's just both these teams have brutal schedules coming up. And Tennessee with a two-game lead and the tiebreaker helps him a lot. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, sorry, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> had the worst game of his life. And I don't think it's possible to play another game like that. Uh, the, the thing about it, though, is they still kind of came back at the end. I know it's Houston, but they were never put out, um, which is interesting, which makes me think they could compete with a team like Pittsburgh who does a similar thing every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I can see both teams having nine or 10 wins. Uh, one gets the four seed, one gets the seven seed. Uh, but I do but, like, I do like Indy. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. I, I like how Indy's been playing too. And obviously Jonathan Taylor's a big part of that. Again, we're going to talk about him more in the MVP rankings yes. here soon. Uh, but when I look at the Titans, I see three games that they're just going to win. I, I know they lost to the Texans last week, but I think they beat them. In week 18, I think they beat the Dolphins in week 17, and they beat the Jags in week 13. I think those are three guaranteed. And of course, having the wins. Jags helps. That's you know that I didn't count that as their brutal schedule. Yeah, uh, so I think all the all three of those games win. So you you have you automatically are at 11 wins there with the max of six losses, and then you have the games against the Patriots and the Steelers and the Niners. You just got to take one of those three, and you're division champs. It, it's that simple. Because uh, if you have five losses, the Colts have five losses, you're going to win the division. It's it's impossible not to with with how it is right now because yeah. the Colts are six and five. But then when you look at the Colts schedule, I feel like there's a little is a bit more of an uphill battle. Uh, the Buccaneers is a very tough game. It's that game is going to be damn near impossible for them to win. Uh, and that's actually one of my best. Especially running. That's like the one thing they could do right now consistently. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping the run. Uh, and then we have the Texans. I think they beat the Texans. They have the Cardinals, fully healthy Cardinals team is again, one of the most scary teams in all the league. Uh, they play the Patriots as well. I mean, those, those three games are just so tough to win 
Uh, they have the Raiders and the Jags at the end of the season, so we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, you practically have to win out if you're the Colts, if you want to win the division. They're not going to win out. It just isn't going to happen for them. So wild card is very, very possible, and I think they have a good chance of getting that. But as far as division goes, there, there's zero chance that they win that AFC mm-hmm. South. And uh, I'll see if – I hope they prove me wrong. I think that would be fun to watch them prove me wrong. Sure. But. I mean, you know, it, it's hard not to root for Carson unless you're like an NFC East fan or an Eagles fan or something yeah. like that. It's hard to not root for Carson Wentz and Pittman and Taylor and that defense. Yeah, and I was I was a very you you know this right as that Carson Wentz trade happened I was yeah. like saying Carson Wentz might have an MVP type season mm-hmm. and if they if they win the division I think he'd be uh, not necessarily in the race but in the hunt because the main guy would be Jonathan Taylor in that situation but I mean he's played well for them maybe not MVP yeah. well but he's been giving them the opportunity that he has so far. With that being said, there is one more thing we forgot to talk about. Uh, So the Colts right now are the hard knocks team for the second half of the season. That's pretty cool. That's going to be the first uh, time they've ever done that too. Yeah. Yeah. First ever midseason. And I want to say they're trying to like create storylines for Darius Leonard because he's such a great player. He's so good, man. But he's just, that's all he does is play football. And they're trying to like, they're trying to like make up stories about, you know, being like the greatest dad ever, which, you know, I'm not denying. But mm-hmm. when you talk about it for 15 minutes, in hard knocks. It's kind of weird with <laughs> with hard knocks mid season because I feel like they don't have the opportunity as much to get the, as much interaction with like uh, player stories mm-hmm. as they do with the preseason because you're you're not playing games every week obviously and you don't have the game plan for anybody. So it's it's cool in a sense that you get a grasp of of an NFL team in the season, but as far as stuff go besides that it's 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 very very weird but it's cool to see and especially if they ran the table on hard knocks yeah that's gonna be one of the coolest things ever if you're a Colts fan to watch your team in a sense like that mm-hmm. but with that right. being said <laughs> now let's get to the best part of the show where we have our top five mvp our top three defensive player of the year and our top three rookie of the year eventually down the line we'll split it up to top three d roy top three uh oh roy and we're getting to that spot. We're getting, yeah, well, we're getting to it soon. Maybe we'll see a it next bunch week, of honorable week mentions. after that. But <laughs> let, with that being said, let's get to our honorable mentions for the rookie of the year. All right. I got Jamar chase shocker, Aziz Ojolari, Creed Humphrey, Rashawn Slater, and Elijah Moore. I had to, you know, throw in the offensive lineman there and chase drops for one guy who has gone nuts this year. And I had to chat him out. That's kind of crazy that you threw a, uh, Chase that low. Mm -hmm. Uh, My honorable mentions, though, are going to be Michael Parsons, Kyle Pitts, and Michael Carter. Shout out to Skyler. Yes, sir. (laughs) Next up, number three. You want to hear number three? It's Michael Parsons. Uh, He's got eight and a half sacks this year. He's going nuts. He could play in coverage on the edge, a little bit of both. And he's like the only... uh, at least right now, I know in the beginning of the year is different, but right now the piece that's holding the Cowboys defense together and uh, shout out to him, man. Yeah. He's been really, really good so far. One of the best pass rushing grades in all the NFL right now, mm-hmm. according to PFF, I think he goes Crosby, uh, Garrett, and then Parsons. My number three, that was going to be Najee Harris, 685 rushing yards along with 337 receiving yards. That puts them at over a thousand yards in the season so far. 
He has seven touchdowns. Uh, super fun to watch, obviously. Uh, the receiving game is so cool to see, see Najee develop in that because he really was not that good uh, in Alabama as a receiving back. And then he stayed that extra year. That helped so much. Yeah. And I most think most running backs, uh, I wouldn't, you know, say to do that. <laughs> I think being in this offense too with Big Ben, with how many times they throw and how the style of throwing when they don't throw the ball deep and they throw everything short really helps him as well in, in that receiving game. Uh, so. Najee's my number three guy, a guy that has a decent chance to be like 1,700, 1,600 yards this year, all purpose. Yeah. Next uh, up. Number two, number two I have Chase. Najee Harris. Um, you know, everything you just said, plus, did you know he has the second highest usage rating out of any other than quarterback, I believe of course, that. Uh, only behind Jonathan Taylor? Damn. It's crazy. Number two for me is going to be the – person who's sixth in receiving yards in the whole NFL. And that's Jamar chase. Uh, he has had a little bit of a slow piece the last few weeks, uh, but he got a touchdown against the Raiders, uh, kind of blown coverage for the Raiders. So it's kind of Mickey mouse touchdown, but that's besides I feel like the that's, point. that's been like his last six weeks. And I, I like, uh, I like Jamar chase, but, and he's probably going to win the award, but you know, yeah, I, I mean, it's we notice it. We notice it. I feel like if he has a, another 200 yard game like he had earlier in the year where he was just ripping off 150, 200 out of nowhere, I think that definitely puts him in the, the number one spot mm-hmm. or at least the, the guaranteed number two. But it's it's so tough to not put this guy higher uh, than, than two uh, with how he's played this year. Yeah. Next up. Yeah, number Rookie one of it, the year. It's going to be Mac Jones. Um, his team is so dominant. You know, he he got a lot of pieces. Uh, Bill Belichick knew what was going on. Man, he went heavy on the defense. He doesn't have the greatest receivers, but two great tight ends. The offensive line is completely rebuilt, and he can do his thing. You know, it seems like he's not rushing throws, uh, and he's just. I mean, it just sucks being a Jets fan right now because <laughs> this guy, uh, you know, may not be the most gifted quarterback out of the group, but he's definitely going to have the easiest ride to start off his career. Yeah, I'm going with Mac Jones as number one for me as well. Uh, and this goes to to like, I feel like if you look at how Mac Jones has played and say if he, if that team is... I don't know, say four and seven right now with how his numbers are. And that's actually pretty realistic with what his numbers are. Mm-hmm. He would not be close to, to that number one spot with, but just with them winning, even though it's not completely him is going to give him that number one spot in, in rookie of the year. Uh, and people always say Tom Brady was the luckiest quarterback uh, of all time. And, and the stuff that he's got, as far as his weapons goes, his defense goes, his opponents go, now we're seeing Mac, Mac Jones guy. is starting <laughs> to get that as well uh, with how good his defense has been in the, in the last few weeks. I think they've allowed one touchdown in the last like 18 possessions or something like that, which is uh, absurd. And that they got a good run game. I mean, they got decent receivers. I like Jacoby Myers a lot. I like Nelson Aguilar, obviously. Uh, it's things are going right in New England. That's for sure. And that's why we're calling them perhaps the scariest team in, in all the AFC earlier in the show yeah. next up is depoy first off let's do our honorable mention 
Yeah, I got Harold Landry, Aaron Donald, Matt Judon. My honorable mention is going to be J.C. Jackson. He has six interceptions on the year. He is a menace. That's why they call him Mr. INT. That's his Instagram and Twitter handle. Yeah. Next up, number three. Uh, number three is Mr. INT, J.C. Jackson. Uh, ever go. since he came into the league, he's just been a complete ball hawk. And he can also play coverage, too. So that's why he's here instead of Diggs. <laughs> uh and, you know, he, he, he absolutely destroyed Zach Wilson. You know, we thought a, a deep out route was open and he's just like, nope, it's hard to, it's hard to ignore JC Jackson here. Yeah. JC Jackson is really, really good. Uh, it is kind of tough to put digs over him and that's what I'm doing. Putting digs at number three. Uh, but the interception against the Falcons a couple weeks ago puts him at eight on the year. And we just don't see guys with eight interceptions really ever. Uh, so I mean, if he gets 12, 13 picks this year, how can he Oh, yeah, he for sure. He'll be back. He'll side. be back in there, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, number two. Number two, I'm going to go with TJ Watt. Uh, he's been hurt a little bit, but monster season. And I can I broke these guys up just because one of them played, one of them didn't. You could say it's unfair, but, uh, you know, TJ Watt, number two. Great year. Number two for me is the same as it was last week, and that's going to be Miles Garrett. Uh, again, no forced fumbles. Uh, I don't even think he got a sack this week, no. uh, but that's besides the point. Still having a great season. Uh, now on to number one. Uh, number one, Miles Garrett. Uh, you know, this is very close. Obviously, he doesn't have the uh, the forced fumble and the tip pass numbers, but he had three tackles for loss again. Uh, no sacks, but he's still getting there. Uh, and where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he played. What didn't? I broke him up. That's why he's won, pretty much. There we go. Yeah. Uh, number one for me is still going to be TJ Watt. I think if he misses another game or two, he's going to drop out of that number one spot just because, I mean, availability is a big part of it as well. But he on went on the field and has been the most do- dominant player in the NFL uh, this year as far as defense goes. And uh, that's why I had him as my MVP last week. And that's why he's going to be somewhere on my list again this week as well. Now on to MVP, let's start off with honorable mentions. I don't have any. Uh, I'm sure there are. And if you say someone, I'll be like, yeah, right. I'll mention them. But for right now, I'm just sticking with my five. My honorable mentions are going to be Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, uh, who's actually been playing really, really well this year. 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. Justin Herbert, uh, great week against the Steelers. And Miles Garrett. Now on to number five. Number five. Sorry, I burped. Uh, I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. Um, you know, that last game on Monday night, was it Sunday or Monday night football? Uh, Monday night. Monday night. Uh, it seemed like he had a quiet game and then he, you know, checked the box score. He had 140 yards. You know, that's the kind of guy mm-hmm. he is for this team. And they don't really have a deep threat. So this is all they have. They're one of the best teams in the league. Um and he's, he's been playing like an MVP, still on pace to shatter pretty much every record for receivers. Yeah, true. Uh, number five for me is going to be TJ Watt. He was my MVP last week. I move him down a lot just because I feel like it's very, very tough to win the MVP as a, as a defensive player. And I know he yeah. missed a game, so it's kind of weird there. But availability, again, is a big thing. And if you're going to win the MVP as a defensive player, you have to do something crazy. And I think it kind of makes it a lot tar- harder to make do something crazy if you miss the game. Yeah. 
Next up, number four. Number four, I have Patrick Mahomes. Kind of a rough game last week, um, but another guy who's still on pace for crazy stuff. Uh, Kansas City, I, I think, is back. We talked about this last week, and I think when it's all said and done, he should be in the top two or three here. My number four is going to be a guy who lost this week. He goes down two spots from where he was the week before, but he went off against the Vikings, 385 yards and four touchdowns. That's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he has some toe injury right now. I don't think it's turf toe, but it's something similar along that. And it's going to linger with him the whole season. So that's interesting to see. Uh, but I didn't drop him that low because he had an amazing game against the Vikings. And I mean, when you throw for 385 yards and four touchdowns, maybe your problem is you're scoring a little bit too quick. Uh, and that's what it was when they scored too quick against Vikings with their 75 yard score with to Marquez Valdez Gantling with under two minutes to go. Yeah. I, Next up, at number three. three, I have Aaron Rodgers dropping two spots as well from number one. Um, another great game. I don't drop them because of the loss. I drop them because some other guys uh, got up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's not really his fault, but he's still, he's still in the race for sure. Number three for me is going to be the same guy that I had last week, and that's Cooper Cup. He was on a bye. Skyler mentioned how good he's been this year. And uh, that's why he's at number three for me. Next up to number two. Number two, I'm going with Tom Brady. It's so easy for him. If you saw, if you were watching the game last night, they were just messing around with the the Giants, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, They could call up whatever he wanted. He was doing jet sweep tosses to, (laughs) you know, uh, Godwin to the right side, very next play. Evans to the left side, very next play. Oh, you know what? Cameron Brate's open 30 yards down the field. Let me throw it to him. You know, Brady is... uh, doing his thing like he's 34 instead of 44 it's crazy yeah brady is my number two as well it's been a very weird year for tom brady because i feel like he is averaging a lot of yards and stuff but he's not playing the safest football uh Mm. so that's why he's not number one for me uh also there's another reason why he's not number one that's because how the number one guy has been playing so let's just get to it. Who's the MVP, Skyler? I think we both have the same person. It's Jonathan one. Taylor. It sucks a Derrick Henry shirt because this would have been an amazing MVP race. It would have been so race fun. It would have been Henry. so fun. Yeah, um, the year of the running back, man. Right now, uh, we have to put Jonathan Taylor up here. If you, I mean, I don't specifically have the numbers, but his last five games, they've all been like at least 150 yards with at least two touchdowns. It's, it's wild. And, you know, five touchdowns last week against Buffalo. He's nuts. Yeah, he he is absolutely crazy. I'm trying to pull up his uh, his game log right now for uh, uh, just so I can go through everything. And that's what I got up right now. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is my number one as well. I feel like he first off, he's putting on for the running backs uh, because there's been this stigma about running backs the last few years about, oh, there's so many of them that you you can have. You, you don't really need to draft a running back high. You don't need to pay running back a lot of money. You can kind of just get whatever and have a you good running back. You don't need to back. give one so many carries. Yeah, Exactly. And I feel like I was kind of part of that as well. But I think Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor really proved us wrong because if those two teams didn't have their running backs, we we can see where they are. They're, they're not good teams. And, I mean, I feel like that's what's going to make Kenneth Walker jump up in, in the mm. draft as far as that going because Jonathan Taylor didn't go that high and he was a very productive college back. And same thing with uh, Najee Harris and Derrick Henry. Those yeah. two guys are, are guys that have 
similar were literally load. not drafted high because they yeah. were used a lot in college. Even though they were great college backs, they just weren't drafted high because they were used a lot. And people thought they wouldn't be as healthy or whatever it may be. But with that being said, let's go back all the way to week four. And let's look at Jonathan Taylor's games where he started off uh, against Miami. They won that game. 16 carries, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, three catches, 11 yards. So not much impact in the receiving game. But that started a stretch for him, man. And let's go to week five against Baltimore, that Monday night game. He had a very long receiving touchdown in that game. Three catches, 116 yards, a touchdown there. Then on the ground, 15 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown as well. Then we have the Houston game where they blew out the Texans. 14 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Then the game against San Francisco on Sunday night, 18 rushes for 107 yards and a touchdown. Then we look at the game against Tennessee where Derrick Henry got hurt. Uh, He had 16 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown, as well as three catches for 52 yards. The week after that against the Jets, he went, I mean, he went crazy against the Jets and Skyler knows that. 17 carries, 172 yards, two touchdowns, uh, as well as 28 receiving yards. Then we go to the Jag game last week, uh, 21 carries, 116 yards, one touchdown, uh, and then we get to this week and he, he just went crazy against the bills. I mentioned his stat line earlier in the show. It might be a little bit too nasty to mention again, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> 32 carries 185 yards on the ground, 19 receiving yards as well for five total touchdowns. That brings his touchdown total in the season. Cause he didn't have any of the first three weeks. And then went ham after that brings his total to one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen on the year. Fifteen total touchdowns. It's going for LT, man. <laughs> and it's gonna be very, very tough for for LT's record considering they haven't had their buy yet buy yet. That's and he, true. That's true. He didn't score in the first three weeks. But man, oh man. I, do, I want to talk about fantasy football with him uh because I was telling my brother, uh, he didn't really know what to do with his pick. And I told him, if mm-hmm. you don't have the first or the second pick, you take Jonathan Taylor, no matter what. Um, my issue was I drafted McCaffrey in one league and Derrick Henry in another. So I didn't get the chance to take my third guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> another thing to mention with the Colts real quick before we, uh, we go on to our bets and get out of here. Yeah. Uh, those first three games that they did not, or Jonathan Taylor did not score a touchdown. Titans lost or not Titans. The Colts lost all three of those games. And since then they've lost two games. So six and two, yeah. when he scores a touchdown, that's obviously has to do with him quite a bit because scoring touchdowns gets you points and points wins you games simple as it can be so jonathan taylor is our mvp let's get to our bets and let's get on out of here we go to our layups it was a rough week man uh i had green bay minus two and a half versus minnesota that ended up being the three game three point game but on the opposite side uh minnesota wins so good for them uh, but bad for me and then Skyler had SMU plus 12 versus Cincy. <laughs> Cincy, Cincy said F you to Skyler, and I'm yes, happy they did. They did. Uh, so that's a red one for Skyler as well. And then we go to this week. 
And Tampa Bay minus three versus Indianapolis. Uh, I know we talked about how good Jonathan Taylor is, but we said earlier that Indy itself as a team is not that good. They're going against the defending champs. Three points is too little points for me. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Raiders plus eight at Dallas on Thanksgiving. Kyle's making faces at me. He doesn't like it. Um, but there's a good chance Dallas is going to be without a lot of their weapons. Uh, we know Zeke and CD lamb are questionable, uh, may not get the offensive line back. Um, but the thing about Dallas with me is there's one team they really blew the doors off of that's Atlanta. And I like this matchup for the Raiders more way more than, than uh, the Falcons matchup with Dallas. So I'm going to say, Plus eight, you know, if there's some like late game pick six or something for Dallas, that would suck. But I think if that doesn't happen, I'll be in the clear here. Which I wouldn't be shocked that happens because that's just how uh, the Raiders play. But with that being said, I mean, the Raiders pass defense is has been very, very good this year. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. They allow. What is it? Let me look at it real quick. They allow. As far as passing yards go per game, like they're in the top 10 for for that. So without your wide receivers and the Raiders good corners, it's going to be tough for them to throw the ball. That's for sure. Uh, but the run game is always tough for the Raiders. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Hope we win the game. If not, it's all good because I know what the Raiders are. But with that being said, let's get to our bold predictions. Last week I had the Jets over Miami. Uh, that was before we found out Mike White wasn't going to play and Joe Flacco yes. was going to be a uh at the home for the jets jets lose by seven uh and that's a tough pick for me uh skyler had washington over carolina good pick for skyler uh and he gets a dub this week though we have minnesota over san francisco my or that's a plus three pick uh but i'm taking minnesota outright i think uh, it's a good matchup for minnesota it's not on prime time so Kirk cousins won't play that bad and uh, if he just plays the way that he's been playing all year, besides that Monday or Sunday night game against the Cowboys, I think uh, the Vikings will be just fine in this one. Yeah. I'm going to go with Oklahoma winning on the road against Oklahoma State. Might think I'm crazy because Oklahoma State's defense has been like completely nuts the past couple of weeks, giving up three points, 17 points, three points, three points. Um, but Oklahoma State's offense hasn't been great over the past Okay, well, TCU, they wrecked them. But I'm, <laughs> I, I want to point out one game. They had 23 points in a 23 to nothing win over Texas Tech. Uh, Oklahoma scored 52 on Texas Tech, especially in the rivalry game. Uh, none of that really matters. It's yeah. all hard out there, not scheme. So that's I'm going to go with the Sooners. Who's got more heart? That's, that's what it is, man. I'll tell you uh, what, man. The Sooners, they got some heart. Yeah, I didn't know we'd have John Green on the show. Maybe that's our first special guest. Uh, that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, get him on the yeah. show, especially with his current situation. Maybe you could talk about his lawsuit a little bit. Uh, but with that being said, that's going to do it for episode 63 of the Going the Distance podcast presented sure. to you by Immaculate Sports. It's been a fun one. Scott's favorite number 63 is Ryan Madsen. My mm-hmm. favorite number 63 is Gene Upshaw. Uh, any closing, closing words to say to the guys listening out there? And the gals. Oh, it's about to get interesting, everybody. So you want to come back next week. Yeah, I got to find another another outro because I don't really like deuces anymore. Uh, well, I'm going to put you on the spot right here because we'll see you next week. Go Jets. Go Jets. <laughs> that's, that's it? Sure, man. Why not? All right.
Go Jets. Peace.